Today's episode is brought to you by Slay House Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. Welcome back for another episode of Slay House Presents. I am your host, Trevor, and with me... Caitlin. Yeah, I like that. This, this is a good partnership, I think. So, um, we've got uh, we've got some stuff today. We're going to talk about some news. We're going to talk about uh, stuff we're excited about. going to talk a little bit about uh, what we've been reading, and then we're going to jump into our book for today, which is Things Have Gotten... Worse Since We Last Spoke by Eric LaRocca. So let's kick it off with some news. Caitlin, hit me. What's new in publishing for you? What are you excited about? Okay, so this week I was just scrolling on Instagram and came across... Actually, not Instagram. Sorry, let me back up. I was on um, Kindle um, looking through the uh, Kindle store. And book five of my Blood and Ash series by Jennifer L. Trout. Oh. Is coming out. Um, when did it say it's coming out? It will be released July 18th. July 18th. That's pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's, this is a series that you've been reading, I mean, gosh, for for like the last year, right? You, yep. you, you dove in real hard on this. I remember when book four came out and you were just... Yeah, book four came out last year? I believe it was last year. I feel like she's been really cranking these out. Yeah, there was a lot of us that started reading. We bought the first three books because they were out all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we all thought, oh, this is a trilogy. Yay, it's complete. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a trilogy. And then we had to wait. And she also has a, a story inside of the story. Um for the life of me, don't even try to get me to. I haven't had tea or coffee this morning, so I can't. I can't tell you <laughs> the story off the top of my head. But there's two books out for that, and there's a third one coming out. I think in like October or November. And these are all yeah, uh, it's all in the same. Yeah, all in the same world of the Blood Nash. Um, wow. So uh, d- tell me a little bit. What is this? series about like what what's the main premise if if you had to pitch it to someone on an elevator as to why (laughs) they should read this book what's it about well it's a fantasy series um basically a girl um man it's been forever since i've read the first book so it's she is the chosen one she the first book starts out she is Dang, put me on the spot this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pre- prepare for this stuff, you know, because I'm gonna ask you questions. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Probe. I know, but it's been over a year since I read this first book. Um, I, I mean, just what about the series? Just what's the series about? What well, are I mean, the you vibes? Have, you have like, to start with her to be able to understand. Uh-huh. Um, she's virginal. She was chosen by the gods. Um, mm-hmm. She is to be like a almost like a sacrificial lamb um for the gods and mm-hmm. um she finds out that all of it's a lie and she kind of breaks away and she meets um Castile 
and um, he kind of... Good name. Good name for a hot guy. (laughs) He reveals to her, you know, you've been lied to your entire life. Um, Then she finds out she has powers, and she actually is a god. Oh, okay. And it just... So it and it just kind of it, it's just it's all kind of uh, sexy schmexy uh, I mean, there, fantasy there, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is some sexy parts, but it's mostly just kicking ass and taking names. And, oh, okay. This, so uh, I I forget sometimes you read stuff that's not just like pure smut. Yeah, there and, is some smut in it, but it's mostly right, right mostly right. fantasy adventure and world building and dragons and. Oh, we love dragons. Yeah, we do. We love dragons. (laughs) Dragons are great, for sure. Okay. Uh, Do you have any other news to bring? Was I mean, was that the big one? Um, No. I know now that you've got me all flustered and I couldn't remember my favorite series. (laughs) Um, Oh, yes. So this also will go into what I've been reading in the last week. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But the series that I have started reading, I've read, I'm currently in book three. Right. And you just started this just series started like it. this week, right? Yeah, started yeah. it this week. You went like hardcore. You were just like... Dove mm-hmm. in. Yeah. And then Jess, Jess, sorry, Jess started reading it. Uh-huh. Um, your, your friend of the show, own. Jess. Um, she started reading it. And so we're kind of, it's kind of like a race to see who can finish it first. <laughs> <laughs> She'll probably beat you. She probably will. Uh, she's already on. Uh, she's probably already done with book four. Oh yeah. Um, probably on to book five. Uh, no, wait, no. Book five and six is what I'm trying to say is coming out. Oh. Um, book five is coming out in March. Okay. And uh, let me pull up the the message she sent me. Uh, and book six is coming out, I believe, in October. Wow, that's a fast turnaround. That's really quick for these books. Now, these are books that you find through, like, Kindle Unlimited, right? Yes. Which uh, I know is, is, like, I mean, that's kind of the hot spot for a lot of uh, these indie authors who yes. are, are self-published authors. You know, you just kind of put it on Kindle Unlimited, and there's a huge readership um, that, you know, really loves this stuff. They Kindle just Unlimited is where it's at. You pay, you know, I think I pay $11 a month, and you have yeah. access to thousands of titles. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I think I tried Kindle Unlimited for a little bit. I, I found that not every title is created equally on Kindle Unlimited, though. And uh, I don't know. I, I was just kind of like, you know what? If I want to read these authors, if I want to read one of these books, I think I'm just going to buy it. You know, like I'll, I'll just pay the, the $4 or whatever for the actual Kindle book instead of uh, Kindle Unlimited. But but that's also me. And, you know, I don't read nearly as fast as you. So True. Yeah. I mean, like, for sure, you're on Kindle Unlimited all the time. And I think you read, on average, like a book every two days, every three days, maybe? Yeah, when I'm not in a reading slump. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, which, I mean, you know, sometimes that happens. Uh, I feel like that happens to me a lot. I fall into a slump or something. Anything else on the horizon? There is, yes. There was one more. Um, A series that I have yet to start that I have on my book cart right now that I'm uh-huh. <laughs> I need to start um, the Never After series uh, by Emily McIntyre. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure you've seen it sitting there. You know, there. I feel like I just got uh, was that like Hooked? Is yes, that one of the hooked. books? 
I just got an ad for that on my Kindle uh, this morning. No, it was for Hooked. Oh, for Hooked. Uh, but, you know, it, trying to get me like, hey, maybe you want to read the series. <laughs> uh, I mean, I because I haven't paid the $20 or whatever to remove ads from my stupid Kindle, uh, you know, I still get just like these recurring ads for like, maybe you like this. And it, it's never right. I, I don't know how Amazon has me so wrong, but, you know, I, I don't know. But I did see an ad for this book, Emily McIntyre's Hooked and... Uh, well, book four is coming out in just a few days on February 7th. Oh, wow. And you have all of these books on the shelf already. Yes, I have the first three. Yeah. And Twisted is coming out. And I believe mm-hmm. it is, um, if I remember correctly, it's they're all based off of Disney retellings. Oh, okay. And Which th- is super popular right yes. now. Katie, it- Robert did it. Mm-hmm. And I've read all of those. Um, but yeah, this one I believe is Aladdin. Oh. From what I remember. Okay. I always think it's sad that uh, they don't do more crazy stuff than the Aladdin stuff. Because, like, there's magic, right? Like, it, you have a magic genie who could do anything you want. And, and it's like, they're not, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like they're not turning into, like, snakes to fuck each other. You know, or, or something like that. Oh, I, I feel remember like what you said when it needs I to be read crazy. Katie Roberts' um, Jasmine and Jafar book. You asked me if. Javar had a magic penis. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. No. <laughs> if he doesn't have a magic penis that, you know, you rub it and you get wishes, then, like, what is the point? Oh, no. I just, I, you know, I missed opportunity right there. Maybe that's going to be my smutty, my smutty book. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a magic penis and it does tricks. <laughs> there, I think there are limits in the smut world to what... <laughs> <laughs> to what we want the penis to do, and I, I don't think you don't you don't want it to do a magic show. No, we don't need it to do a magic show. It has it has its purpose. <laughs> I'm imagining what kind of magic tricks it would do. <laughs> it shoots fireworks and stuff. Uh, <laughs> no. All right. Well, anyway, on that note, um, sounds like, I mean, some some pretty fun, some entertaining stuff um, on the horizon there for you. We have a bumper crop of news on my end. It seems like, um, you know, there's kind of a lull around the Christmas season where there's just not as much stuff that's coming out. And then all of a sudden springtime comes around. Uh, it's not even spring yet. It's still winter, but... Um, yeah, the groundhog fe- says we have six more weeks. Yeah, there. it's like February comes around and all of a sudden we just start getting inundated uh, with books and, and book news. So I have a lot of stuff to share. I feel like this is going to be a trend uh, pretty much every week. I'm, I'm going to have something that I'm pretty excited about. In Slayhouse news, let's start with Slayhouse. Uh, we did a cover reveal for J.B. McLaurin's Black Echoes. That is all over our socials. You can find the cover on slayhouse.com. Black Echoes is kind of a, call it like a sci-fi crime thriller sort of thing. Um, It's got some horror elements for sure. It is about a man who um, has an addiction and is running away from a dude who is coming after him. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And the dude, uh... I, he like taxidermies people after he tortures them, and it's pretty messed up. Um, anyway, that book is on the way. You can get uh, your pre-orders now 
for release March 1st. So that's going to be a pretty exciting book. Um, we also have uh, Tales of Slayhouse 2023 is now open for submissions. That's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our annual anthology of short fiction. We look for f- short genre fiction. Um, the genre is not super important. If it's a good story, I probably want it. I do want some more on the spec fiction side, um, meaning horror, fantasy, dark fantasy, uh, science fiction, you know, maybe some, uh, thriller or, or something like that. Although I'm not really into true crime or you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff. Um, one of these days I will get you into smut. I mean, maybe, we but will, that's not... We will have a collection that's of That's not the... Sure, but that that's you and me. That's not necessarily, <laughs> you know, Slayhouse. Um, no, I, I've been uh, editing the Slayhouse anthology for the last two years. It's my third go at it. I always have a co-editor with me, and uh, this year I'm, I'm actually doing it again with um, K.A. Huff, which I think is really awesome. Um, I really love her vision for stuff. And I think that we have um, pretty interesting tastes, the two of us. So really excited to be working on this anthology with her. And if you want to submit to us, you can do so by submitting your story to editor at slayhouse.com. No, that's not right. I th- uh, no, I think that is right. Yeah, editor at slayhouse.com. Um, yeah, send us your stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be reading this year's crop of stories. Um, we also, next week, are doing an interview with Laurel Hightower, who mm-hmm. I am a big fan of. I, I cornered her in, in Stokercon and, and told her that I was we were going to be friends. It was not an option for her. <laughs> and... Um, I, she still talks to me. That's uh, the amazing thing. It's like she's so gracious about it that uh, she still <laughs> interacts with me on social media. But we're doing an interview with her. That interview um, should come out next week. So you're listening to this episode this week. Next week we'll have an interview with Laurel Hightower. Uh, and then we'll come back, uh, Kate and I, for another episode before we do an interview with Rachel Harrison, which we're also really excited really, about. Really, really excited. Really, really excited about. So all of that is kind of on the horizon from Slayhouse. Also, don't forget, mid-February, uh, I believe February 15th, 14th, 15th, we are going to be releasing as a special episode into the podcast feed uh, a radio adaptation or an audio adaptation of Edith Nesbitt's um, you know what? Now I've forgotten the title. I should have written that down. That was stupid. Tisk tisk. What did I do? What am I doing with my life? I don't know. What are you doing with your life? I was going to say Edith Nesbitt's What Moves the Dead, but that's not right. That's T. Kingfisher. Um, I, uh, uh, shit. I'm just going to sound like the worst host ever. Uh, we've got an audio adaptation of an Edith Nesbitt story. Uh, that's coming out uh, mid-February. Sorry I didn't write that down, Jeremy. He's going to fire me from the show. In other publishing news, though, stuff that is coming out. I know we talked about stuff that I was exciting about, uh, excited about that was coming out like February 2nd, February 7th. All of that stuff has come out now by the time you're listening to this episode. So we're getting excited for the next round of content. We have 
The Cage of Dark Hours by Marina J. Lostetter. Mm-hmm. That's coming out February 14th from Tor. Very excited about that book. Uh, Marina's going to hate me because I'm going to blow up her email address uh, until she signs the <laughs> copy of the book that I Don't I bully her. I'm not going to bully her, but I need a signed copy for sure. <laughs> I get really serious about that. <laughs> Um, we also have coming out toward the end of the month, uh, February 21st, Lotharia by uh, Sina Palayo. This is uh, coming out from Agora Books. It's a collection of short fiction based on the children's game Lotharia that um, a lot of um, uh, Hispanic communities kind of play. Um, I'm really excited about this book. I think that Sina Palayo has a really great voice for fiction, and um, this is actually a reprint of the collection, um, kind of remastered for Agora Books. I think it's going to be really, really cool. That's right around the corner. And then uh, Sister Maiden Monster is coming out by Lucy A. Snyder on February 21st. This one comes out from Nightfire. It is a queer horror story with... A very weird-looking cover, and I am super excited about this one. Um, Nightfire Books is one of my favorite publishers for horror, and uh, they put out cool stuff. I'm really excited hmm. about it. We also had some cover reveals, again, from uh, Nightfire, because I, I'm, i like, obsessed with uh, their covers. But uh, they did a cover reveal for Red Rabbit by Alex Grecian. That comes out October 19th. Um, it looks like it's uh, it's kind of a, a book about a witch who is being hunted by uh, some people in like a big red wagon. Um, I don't know. Hmm. I, 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 I'm vibing with it, though. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And then uh, The Dead Take the A-Train by Cassandra Call and Richard Kadri. Uh, those are both uh, coming out from Tor Nightfire. Uh, the latter coming out October 3rd. They did a cover release. It looks really cool, like a monster train sort of thing situation. Not really sure of the plot of that one, but I don't care. You know I don't really read the back jacket material. Nope. I'm like vibes only. Just hit me with those vibes, <laughs> and we'll go off to the races. It's also Black History Month. Mm-hmm. Now that we're in February, um, listen, read diverse horror uh, or, or just diverse fiction, you know, throughout the year. I really think that um, you should be reading uh, more minority voices anyway, just as uh, a matter of reading things. But um, Black History Month is a time especially to celebrate um, black voices. And so uh, excited about Black History Month and um, about a lot of the, the content that a lot of media um, companies kind of have, you know, coming around the corner. Um, I'm especially excited for Johnny Compton's uh, The Spite House, which uh, by the time you hear this has already come out, and I'm I'm already reading it and very excited about it. Um, but <laughs> we're recording a little ahead of time, right? So it's Tuesdays when the book actually comes out, but... Um, I'm very excited about this book. It's been on my list for forever. In other news, and this is the the conversation piece I kind of want to bring up, um, China is spying on us. Yeah, I don't know how to feel about that. (laughs) 
Not balloon. I bring this up um, because the the so China has a, a balloon, a spy balloon that's been floating over the United States, and uh, U.S. government has kind of been like, "Oh, don't shoot the balloon down." And of course, there are a bunch of rednecks who are like, "I'm gonna shoot a balloon." <laughs> no, don't do that. It's not a good idea. You should see all of the pictures of people who have spotted the balloon and they got a rifle and they're like, I'm going to shoot that motherfucker. Like, Don't do it. It's so funny. It's so funny. Um, but I bring this up not because I'm uh, terrified of a foreign nation spying on us. Let's be real. We spy on people all the time. Uh, this is just kind of the normal, um, I, I think, statecraft, you know, sort of thing that people do. The reason I bring it up is because it's very similar to a plot point of one of my favorite books last year, The Fervor by mm-hmm. Almakatsu. In that book, uh, there was a, a spy balloon or several spy balloons from Japan um, that feature very prominently in the story. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think this is... Really, really interesting. Do you know how big that fucking balloon has to be to be visible by so many people? I can't even imagine. I mean, it's huge. It's it's much bigger than you think. Because we think of balloons as like a little children's balloon. You put a fucking device on it, but that's not. It's big. It's a very big balloon. I saw a meme this morning. Somebody said, it's not China. It's Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Joe Dirt? No, I have not. Well, there's a scene where he's up in... In a big hot air balloon, and he's looking down, and, and he makes a joke about seeing down somebody's shirt. <laughs> so like, it's not China, it's Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got like a fancy, a fancy uh, spy hot air balloon to look down people's shirts. Yeah. Well, I hope he doesn't look down my shirt. There's really not much to see down there. Yeah, I don't think he's worried about your shirt. Oh, okay, good. Um, yeah, I just I find this news to be really interesting. Uh, for one, because you know, <laughs> more proof that Almakatsu knows her shit, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, to have that book, which uh, these balloons feature very prominently, and they're scary. They're not, you know, it's like the fuck are these balloons doing around here? Um, it's you know, it's bad news. Mm-hmm. So if one of those balloons lands and all of a sudden we're all infested by uh, like tiny white spiders that uh, spread disease, I'm I'm gonna be really fucking upset. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna be really fucking upset. Uh, hey, what have you been reading this week? Well, I have been reading, um, as I said, uh, smut. <laughs> 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 Par for the course for Caitlin. Yeah, um, it's a series called the uh, Salacious Players Club. Oh, you know it's good when it's called the Salacious Players Club. Yep. Salacious. Yes, um, I am on book three. So this week I've read one and two. Book one was called Praise. Uh huh. Book two is called Eyes on Me. Uh huh. And the one I'm reading is called Give Me More. Oh, okay. All so, right. Each book, you don't have to read them all, um, but it's suggested you read them in order because they all kind of interconnect. They, um, each book is about um, a different owner. A different player. A di- not a different player. They're, they <laughs> all own this club. Oh, um, okay. There's so, a club. Okay. Yeah. It's not a, like, a, like a club, like an actual dance club, not like a club like we get together on the weekends and... Uh, high-five each other Eiffel Tower style. 
No, it's a sex club. Oh. Yeah, yeah. okay. So they do do that on the weekends, the <laughs> Eiffel Tower. <laughs> I don't read these books, so so I just have to imagine what they're like. (laughs) So what is the premise of this series that's, you know, had you kind of so wrapped up? They've created this sex club for people, you know, well, it started started as a dating app to meet Uh people who share your kinks, you know. Oh, yeah. Because how hard is it to meet somebody... You know, you think that they're kinky and really they're just plain old vanilla and, you know. (laughs) So it's like they started it as a a dating app so that you could connect with people that enjoy everything that you do. Uh And then the app turned into this club Uh where you could freely be who you want to be. And, you know, it has all these different rooms with, you know, things you can experience. And it's a safe place to experience okay. it with, with other people so okay and and so each of the stories kind of follows uh, a different owner of the club mm-hmm. interesting all right so they all kind of each get their own happy ending oh yeah okay uh i said the double entendre there yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I, totally, I, I totally get it all right i vibe with it who's uh who who writes that one sarah kate sarah kate she's a new author for you yes yeah, and she will she will be an author after the series that I follow. Oh, okay, yeah. all she's right. got more than this series, but oh, okay. This has been on my TBR for a while, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sad I didn't start it sooner. But yeah, and that, but now you've taken the dive, yeah. and uh, you're gonna consume. <laughs> knowing you, you'll consume every one of her books uh, in like the next week. Yeah. Well, she's got a lot, so it might be more than a week. But oh, okay, all right. Well, you know, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, get ready. Uh, Sarah Kate is probably going to show up on the podcast <laughs> a whole <laughs> lot more. Um, I have been reading some stuff this week. Um, I finished Light of the Jedi, the the High Republic book. The one I told you you could DNF. The, yeah, everybody everybody has told me I could DNF this book, and I didn't DNF it. I I actually finished the book. Do you wish you should have? I I really just did not like this book. I'm not going to say I hated it because uh, I think that's too strong. Um, I, the, the thing, the problem that I have with a lot of these Star Wars books is that sometimes they just feel entirely too corporate. And this was one of those books that um, I just, man, I got so bored with it because it feels like it's so corporate. It feels like all it's really trying to do is just set up this giant, um, you know, intellectual properties that they can just make a billion dollars on. It, it, it feels like a book that Disney demanded uh, be written and it feels like it was written by, co- by committee. And uh, I don't think that Charles Sewell, who I've actually read a lot of his comic books and his comic books can be quite fun. Uh, This book was not fun. I don't think it was very interesting. It was really badly paced. Um, The first third of the book is just a a giant space disaster. Um, And it, it just throws a whole bunch of characters at you. Some of the characters die in the same chapter they're introduced. And I'm like, why do I care? <laughs> why did I just spend a chapter getting to know a character barely uh, for that character to just die? And then I, we jump to a new character. It's so just not uh, what I want out of fiction. And uh, so anyway, the, the first third is that. The second third 
is um, just like a bunch of plot nonsense. It's just like, how do we get to the next part of the book? And it's so slow. And because it shifts from character to character through the whole book, it just never has a sense of cohesive identity at all. And we don't get to know any of the major characters um, very well at all because we're just jumping from character to character from, you know, little plot bit to plot bit. Um, and then the last third of the book is just a big old space fight, like a big old laser battle. And um, it's boring. It's just so boring. It's so poorly structured. It's so not interesting. The characters are just sock puppets. I mean, just no real personality <laughs> or differentiation. Um, I really just did not have a good time with the book. And I think that's really sad because you know how much I love Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this book just left me so cold. Not very happy. Um, but after I finished that, I, I picked up Melinda West Monster Gunslinger by Casey Griffin. Um, that came out Thursday, uh, February 2nd. Um, look, this book is a dollar on Kindle uh, mm -hmm. if you, if you want to buy it. Um, there is, I mean, the, the, the barrier to entry is so cheap and I've had some good fun with it. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say that it's perfect. Um, I definitely have read a lot of this style of fiction and I can kind of tell sometimes, you know, what, what might be missing from the equation to really, really make it, um, a thousand percent the best book ever, you know, um, but I will say I've had a really fun time with this book. It's very pulpy. It's if you're looking for a lady who shoots spiders with bullets and faces off with snow krakens, you know, it's like there's so much I think that's really inventive about it and just just fun. It's just in the spirit of fun and fun literature and doing the kind of pulp stuff. Um, that I like to see pulp stuff doing. There are a couple of character moments that I thought were really tender and really endear me, I think, to the main characters, especially Melinda West. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, th it's been fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. And you know I'm a, a pretty slow reader. Um, I started the book on Friday, and uh, today is Saturday that we're recording. I'm going to finish it today. Um it very rarely happens that I sit down and just kind of consume a book all at once. So, um, I, I mean, I feel like I can recommend it. I feel like if, if you think you're going to vibe with, you know, a monster gunslinging, you know, Western, uh, you're going to vibe with this book. I, I think it's exactly what it set out to be. I really enjoy that. Hmm. Yeah. So that's what I've been reading. Oh, and I also went to see a movie. Mm -hmm. I, I saw a movie last night. Um, I went to see Knock at the Cabin. Uh, this is a movie that a lot of the horror sphere is talking about right now because it is a book that is um, adapted from Cabin at the End of the World mm -hmm. by Paul Tremblay, um, which I read last year in preparation for this movie. And the book blew me away. I mean, the book is is incredible. I absolutely love it. It's so well-structured. It's so tightly plotted. Um, 
it kept me on the edge of my seat the entire time and it broke my heart in some ways it's a really really well constructed book and well constructed story um, so I was really excited to see this movie. This movie uh, was directed by M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some killer performances. I didn't write down any of the actors except, uh, of course, you know, Dave Bautista is in it. Uh, and he's great. Uh, so much more range than I think I've seen Dave Bautista do before. Um, really showing up and proving that he can be a really, really interesting actor. Um the performances were all really good. I felt like maybe 80, 90 percent of the of the movie was pretty well constructed. It had some dopey special effects, but I think that's, you know, that's that's what happens when you have a cheap movie. <laughs> yeah. this, this movie was not I don't think the budget was super huge for it. Um, I think in comparison to the book, though, uh, the movie takes a pretty major departure from the book that I don't agree with. And uh it was that major departure that I think let me down a little bit. So I don't want to spoil exactly what happens in either the book or the movie. But if you've read the book and were a huge fan of the book, just, you know, prepare. There's a pretty major departure that, that happens in the movie. And I think some people are either going to love it or they're going to hate it. Um, I kind of fell down in the, the category of, uh, I don't know, it didn't work for me. I'm not going to say I hated it, but uh, I was... I was personally disappointed in the creative decision that uh, Shyamalan made. I'm willing to bet there's like a there's like a different like an alternate cut or you know or something like that that we're gonna see on a Blu-ray release or something. But uh, yeah, that's what I've been reading. It, it, it's uh, it it hasn't been like the most wow week ever, um, but I've enjoyed I think more than I've not enjoyed except for Star Wars that. That book was so disappointing. You know what's not disappointing, though? What? Our book this week. No, it was not disappointing. Yeah. We read Things Have Gotten Worse Since We Last Spoke. I always get a little lost with that title because it's so long, but it's such a good title. He's got, uh, Eric LaRocca has some really fascinating titles. Um, There's uh, a... What are some... the, The Trees Grew Because I Bled There... Like, that's one of his books. Um, They Were Here Before Us is another one of his books. Um, He's just got some, like, killer titles. Just, it's like, it's kind of like, wow, how did this guy stumble into these uh, incredible titles? You've Lost a Lot of Blood. That's another one. Hmm. Um, Yeah, great titles. Um, Why don't you just share with us a little bit, uh, just the brief plot, and then we'll we'll give a little break for spoilers, and we'll get into some spoiler territory and real discussion about the book. Okay, so um, <clears throat> the story follows um, this these two women. Um, this one girl goes online to to sell her family apple peeler. Yeah, like an heirloom, an heirloom apple peeler. And um, this one woman responds, and they develop this friendship, and it quickly turns into, in my opinion, kind of a toxic, (laughs) toxic relationship, and takes a a turn for the worst. And yeah, 
as uh, as things would happen. Yeah. Things do get worse. Yeah. <laughs> things have gotten worse. Yeah. <laughs> since, since we last spoke. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. That's a that's a great uh, description of um, of the 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 title. Uh, let's just give a, a brief pause. We'll we'll do about a five second pause, and then we'll come back and spoil the hell out of this book. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you're ready to spoil the hell out of this yes. book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, cool. So this book came out in um, 2021. It was a smash hit. Smash hit. Um, all over. Uh, it's just viral book talk. Um, Which is funny because I was on book talk at that time. Well, let's be real. You were on smut book talk, which well, is not I was also horror on, book talk. Well, no, I was not on horror book talk, so that's probably why. Yeah. I mean, book talk is a is kind of a weird animal because I think there are there's like book talk, which is like, I don't know, it's 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 a lot of like new adult YA stuff that we see kind of like blossom through, I would say, the most popular channels of book talk. And there are a lot of books that, you know, are not new adult or YA that that kind of end up on that scene. But it definitely feels like, you know, there's some avenue of book talk that is really just like these are like really twisty reads that I couldn't put down and some stuff that's really fucked up like Tender is the Flesh, which yeah. was a huge book talk book. Um, but I think there are like spinoffs of book talk where there are smaller, um, you know, kind of like genre book talks uh like there's a fantasy book talk and there's a horror book talk and there's a thriller book talk and there's smut book talk and And ya book talk ya book talk right exactly and and so i think you know there's definitely some crossover of all of these different book talks but for the most part I, i i feel like a lot of your book talk is more oriented toward like the smutty romance stuff yeah you know um, but I th- sometimes see outside of it, but yeah, and I, you know, it's like how you feed the algorithm or, yeah. or whatever. I mean, I found out about this book uh, just virally uh, through Twitter because it, it just you know kind of blew up on Twitter, and in, in 2021, it it was just I mean, it just cr- crazy how this book took off. Um, for an indie book, this was published by Weird Punk Books. Uh, I actually met the owner of Weird Book uh, Punk Books at StokerCon, um, and he was talking about how, just how insane <laughs> this book really went. Um, it it uh, sold, like, literal thousands, I think tens of thousands of copies um, before it was bought by Titan Books uh, and re-released in 2022 as part of a collection, uh, one novella, another, I would call it another novella, and then another short story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, this book is... Um, it was just a, a smash hit sensation. And I feel like it's easy to see why it's it it kind of became what it, it became, right? Mm-hmm. What like why it became so popular. So um let's let's spoil it. What what actually happens between the characters Zoe and Agnes? Because uh Zoe's the one who's trying to sell this uh antique apple. No for, Agnes is. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, it was Agnes. Agnes was selling it. Was selling it, and then Zoe was was buying yeah. it. Yeah. So Agnes goes to sell it, and uh, Zoe is the one that pops up and says, "Oh, I'm interested." 
Um, but then Agnes kind of let slip, you know, you know, I really am kind of attached to this and I wouldn't sell it if I didn't absolutely have to, but I'm kind of, right. you know, I need rent money. and Yeah, she's broke. And Zoe's like, oh, well, now I feel really bad, you know, mm-hmm. taking this, you know, family heirloom from you. Um, if it's the money you're after, you know, I'm, you know, I'm always willing to help somebody in need. You know, I want for nothing. Um Mm-hmm. you know how much do you need and you know please let me help you you know give me your bank account information and yeah. that was a red flag to me at first I'm like okay <laughs> this is a complete fucking stranger on the internet that you've met <laughs> and you're just going to willingly give her your bank account information <laughs> you mean you've never done that no <laughs> I mean she does straight up tell her you know you, you could try to rob me blind but I don't really have anything I'm right. like still yeah. That's, that's not smart. Red flag number one. <laughs> but anyway, so she, she's like, okay, you know, thank you so much. You know, if you're willing to do this, you know, I can't, I can't thank you enough. Well, she wakes up the next day and she's got how much? I think it was. Um, it was like over a thousand dollars. Yeah, it was like fifteen hundred dollars in her yeah, bank account. Yeah, deposited in her account. And yeah. she emails this woman and she's like, "Oh my God, I can't thank you enough. You know, you didn't have to do this." And she was like, "What? What? What are friends for? You know, I'm." Anyway. Yeah. So they continue to talk. She's like, "If you ever need anything, this is my instant messenger. You know, I'm always online." Mm-hmm. Anyway, and they get on and they start talking and quickly become friends. And I, I feel and this is where I'm going to kind of uh, chime in here. I don't know that it's just a friendship. I, th- I think because uh, they're both gay. Well, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, they're both queer. Yeah, they're both, they're both queer, and they uh, because I I believe they meet through. A, oh yes, they meet through a queer through a queer uh, uh, kind of like chat room or chat, whatever chat group or whatever. Yeah, so. Uh, you know, now there's some some question, maybe I don't know, uh, as to whether or not they're both actually the people they say they are. I don't know. I'm I'm not necessarily sure if uh, textually it's it it's implied. Yes, they were both like actual women, or you know, I don't know. Uh, but the internet's a scary place. Not always are you who you say you are on the yeah. internet. Um, but but I we're led to believe that they're um, they're two women. Right. Yeah. And I think the, the relationship that they strike up is probably more romantic than just friendly. Well, I mean, it starts as friendly and then quickly they become attached and yes. it becomes romantic. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then Zoe, the woman who has all this money, she starts um, things quickly become weird with her. She starts <laughs> telling Agnes like. You know, I want you to go and buy the reddest dress you can find, mm. and I want you to buy the reddest lipstick you can find, mm-hmm. and I want you to wear it to work. Right. And she does. Yeah. And she gets in trouble, and her boss tells her to go home. Yeah. And, like, Agnes does it, and she feels liberated. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what she, like... Almost like Zoe knew that was what was going to happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Zoe is so proud of her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. It starts to take on this this weird kind of dom sub. Yes, very quickly. Relationship very quickly. Uh, like starts you start to see some some lines set up where uh, the one is just kind of 
like she just needs approval. Uh, yeah. I think it was Agnes just needs approval, right? Yeah. Um, whereas Zoe uh, just needs power. Like yes. she needs to feel like like she has control over someone else's uh, life and circumstances. Yes. Which is kind of what happens. It, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, how it starts developing. It starts with the dress, uh, but then it escalates, right? Then she tells her her next thing is go to work and leave your panties in the bathroom. <laughs> right. Leave them in a very... In a very, like, obvious Very spot. obvious place where somebody will find it. Yeah, which leads to Agnes getting fired. Yeah, Agnes got fired. Yeah. And then she goes, oh, my dear, I did not want you to get fired, but, you know, <laughs> I told you I would take care of you. But, oh, we completely forgot. That's after they sign a contract. Oh, right. And, this, she, yeah. and she's like, okay, you know, what I really want from you is I want to completely control you. Right. I, I want to completely like dominate total your life. Dumb sub thing. Yeah. La, like, like, like I want control of your bank account. Mm-hmm. I want to make all the decisions for you. Mm-hmm. But still, yet they haven't even met in person. Right. Yeah. It's still just like over the internet. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, this is another red flag. I don't. <laughs> Which is so. Oh, no, you're totally right. I mean, one of the things that is so weird about this dynamic is that we get the sense that they're in totally different parts of the country. If they're even in the same country. Yeah. You know, I, I think we can assume they're in the same country, but but totally different parts of the country. But Agnes is like, I want to meet you. Mm-hmm. I want to know that you're real. And she's like, how mm-hmm. how do you not believe that I'm real after everything I've done for you? And she was mm-hmm. like, but I want to meet you. Right. I want to feel you. I want to touch you. Yeah. And she's just like, well, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and Red you're flags. fucking batshit crazy for giving your bank account information <laughs> and signing your life away to this woman. I think there's there's so much mental illness involved in this. And I don't yeah. even ne- necessarily mean that in like a negative sense of, of like, you know, these people are are genuinely uh, fucked up. I think they're fucked up in the casual way that so many other people are fucked up. You know, just like constantly looking for other people to help try to fill some of the voids of our our very daily kind of like tedious lives, right? Um, uh, Loneliness is such a huge problem in society. And, and, And we are constantly isolated this is me getting on my Marxist soapbox, right? I feel like we're constantly isolated by uh, consumerism and consumer capitalism um, because we're told that we're we're always not good enough. We're told that we're not pretty enough. We're told that we're not, you know, you got to join a gym. You got to use this brand of makeup. You got to um, buy these clothes. You got to eat this food. You got to go to this place if you want to be popular. You got to drive this car. And it's it's just constantly isolating us from ourselves, isolating us from other people and and preying, I think, on our weaknesses, preying on our lonelinesses. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I look at someone like Agnes, who is just desperate to be accepted, <laughs> just desperate to be recognized, just needs another person to see her as valuable and so she's so malleable right she's so willing to do anything someone else wants her to do as long as she is appreciated for that what i what got me was she's willing to do all of these things that this woman asks Mm -hmm. 
and she number one hasn't oh, met her. And we haven't even gotten into the crazy no, stuff. How do you know the crazy stuff? Ask. But she's doing all of these things, and there's really there's no proof. Uh-huh. Like she's doing it, mm-hmm. and she has no way of proving to this other woman she's done it other than her word. Yeah, just and it's just like for it. her. That's enough. So this is this brings up a really crazy question. I'm just going to throw this out, right? It, we're talking about this online relationship sort of thing. How much of this is like the the, the fantasy of you know uh, an online personality versus the real world circumstances, like the real world person behind a screen? And, and I pose that question because. Agnes and Zoe, as they're interacting, it clearly becomes or quickly becomes clear Zoe, with all of her weird, sadistic power tripping, is quite afraid of what Agnes is actually doing. Mm-hmm. And and I think the whole like building up a contract and issuing these strange orders over the Internet to a, a stranger who's now dependent on you. Like, that's a fantasy for Zoe. Mm-hmm. She's not actually prepared for the reality of what that means when someone begins to take her at her word. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is really where we we enter into this, like, really dark territory. It's like, how many times do we have some kind of fantasy that when enacted, like, if actually put into real life, when we see the the real circumstances start to come out over that, how devastating is that? You know how 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 much of our fantasies are are really just very dangerous and and are not actually suitable to the world around us. You know how much they're better left kept in the dark. Yeah, how much of of um, I, I don't know, just how many of our our interactions, you know, behind the screen, um. These fantastical, uh, you know, ideas uh, are really just dangerous, destructive. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And I feel like Zoe doesn't really understand the reality of what she's playing at. I don't think she really thought Agnes was going to do it. Right. And and so there there becomes this question of like, you know, what is really the point (laughs) Why does Zoe have Agnes do the things that she does, except that, you know, Zoe just like needs this kind of perverse power? Like, I think I think Zoe is in love with the concept of power more than she's actually in love with, like, the actual uh, obligation, like the real duty to another person of having that power. She's not ready for the consequences of that power. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, because, again, it's 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 a fantasy role play, you know, and, and the reality of what you think you want is much more complex. Yeah. And that's the scary part. That's the dangerous part, because, as we know, it doesn't stop at just take off your panties at work. Right. Yeah. It, it we start to see like some real fucked up repercussions here. Uh, Zoe tells Agnes to go out to a park and find a salamander and. Keep it in her pocket all day. Yeah. And then when the sun sets. Build an emotional attachment to the yes, salamander. Build an emotional attachment. And then when the sun sets, smash it on a rock. Yeah. Kill it. Because it represents rebirth. And, you know, that's what Agnes needs. Yeah. The, sal- the salamander does. Yeah. 
But that's a living creature. Yeah. That, like, like, like we really, like, get kind of attached to that salamander through Agnes, and then she smashes it. She just kills it, right? In, and that, in, that in that moment, moment she realizes, I can't do this. I don't. Right. I don't need you. Well, uh, she thinks she can't do it. Well, she thinks, yeah. And then she, it turns out she's really more desperate than she thinks. So she, she goes is. like a couple. Was it a couple of weeks? I believe she goes without talking to her. No, it's a month. She goes a month, and yeah. then she breaks down and she emails her. She's like, "I'm so sorry. I really do need you. I'll do whatever you and ask of me." And they re-enter that. that and they contract. re-enter that contract. Yeah. And then at that point. Zoe, Zoe's like like call of the void. It really kind of takes over. Yeah, and then is it that's at that point, uh, you know, they profess their love. Yeah, which right. is I'm just like okay, red flag number again. One thousand. I think this comes from um, just just the world of the internet and and the increasingly isolationist. Um, you know, bubbles we construct around our lives through the internet. You know, it's so easy to forget that there's someone on the other end of that screen who is a real complex human being. And so we build these attachments, you know, to the idealized version of the person on the other end of the screen. Right. Yeah. And who that person is, is is just not necessarily uh, what we imagine them to be. I feel like this is, a, a, you know, a problem in a lot of just relationships, you know. Um, when you fall in love with someone, do you fall in love with the actual person they are? Or your idea of them. Or your idea of them. And I think that a lot of people fall in love with the idea they have of the other person and not the other person themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And then things take a turn for the worst. Oh, my God. Things really have gotten worse. <laughs> Since the Agnes spoke, Agnes tells Zoe, "I've I've decided I want a baby with you. We we have to make this. Which a thing. is like like let's just stomp on the gas here, right? She's just uh, already playing with fire, and she's like, you know what would make this fire so much more fun? Like a huge barrel of kerosene. Yeah, let's just <laughs> add all the kerosene. So they haven't met." But she's like, let's have a baby. And Zoe's like, well, we can't really make that happen. But (laughs) I have an idea. (laughs) So fucking gross. (laughs) One time, was it Cambodia? She went to Cambodia? Or something like that. Or something like that. She's like, I was on a trip in Cambodia. And I got sick with a tapeworm. (laughs) Oh, my God. And that's pretty similar. To being mm, pregnant. Mm-hmm. She's like, how do you know? Oh, I know. It's just... Okay. The fuck is this? I feel like this says a lot about Zoe's character. The fact that she's like... Um, you, you, you know, well, Agnes is looking for... Again, she's looking for validation. She's looking for meaning in her life. And the idea that a kid could just fix that. The kid could fill the hole in her her life with meaning right yeah um that's kind of like that's kind of fucked up you know because it's like it's not really about the kid so much it's about what the kid makes agnes feel yeah that's a bad reason to become a parent i think um but beyond that zoe 
just like her perception of what motherhood must be, her perception of what uh, uh, a relationship between mother and child must be is parasitic in nature. Which I think speaks yeah, to because how fucked up I actually, now that you say that, I remember, because, you know, I read this book last night, so I should remember. Um, she said, you know, what is a baby other than a parasite? Right. Right. She says that to her. So she's like, so you, you need to get a parasite. You need to, to make yourself sick. Right. Which, again, I, I think, like, here's Agnes, who's... You know, talking about like like filling a, a gap in her life, you know, trying to find meaning or something like that by building human connection. And Zoe seems to be saying, but human connection is parasitic I, because I think I feel like, again, like night and day. Right. Agnes yeah. is, is seeking a relationship. Zoe is seeking power. And those two things are not necessarily compatible. I think Zoe was also just trying to placate Agnes. Oh, you know, that could that could totally be because, it, it, you know, how does how does the big take care of the little? You know, how does the dom take care of the sub? There's like, oh, pat, 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 you know, pat on the head <laughs> like you sweet thing here. I'll give you something to, to placate you in the in the meantime. You know, you're so right. cute. You want a baby. We have to perverse these uh, these ideals. Yeah. Or pervert these ideals. So anyway, uh, yeah, so they talk about, um, uh, yeah, getting a, a parasite, which so involves eating some, some... She tells her to go to the bakery mm-hmm. and get the bakery, the butcher, sorry. Mm-hmm. Go to the butcher and get a slice of meat and take it home and put it out in the backyard for a few days and let the animals and the insects have at it until it gets maggots. And then take it in oh and eat it piece by piece, and you'll want to barf, but just make sure, you know, you keep as much down as you can. Yeah. And then within a few days, you should be sick and go to the doctor, make sure, you know, they can testify that, you know, you do have a parasite. And yeah, that's how it's done. Right. And isn't that, that's kind of exactly how it happens. Like Agnes, Agnes eats the, the infected meat. She becomes infected with a parasite, and then she refuses to. Uh, she, she goes to the doctor, and at first the doctor uh-huh. said that everything's fine. But then she gets really sick. She can't stop barfing, and she goes to the doctor again, and they say, yes, you do have a parasite. And she's so elated. She, mm-hmm. text, or she gets online and emails Zoe, and she's like, oh, my God, I think it's a boy. I know that I know that uh, you know. Usually these parasites, you know, they're hermaphrodites. They usually don't have a sex, but we can pretend it's a boy. Mm. And I think we should name it. I can't even remember what she's. I don't know. I can't even remember, but it was a stupid name. And I'm just like, dear Lord, please get Agnes some help. <laughs> right, and and we know again from the the story, uh, which is structured like all all of what you're reading is the correspondence between these two women. Yeah. Um, as taken from, like, a log of police files. Yes. Uh, because Agnes does not come out of this. Yeah, no. We don't uh, know if it's from dying from being sick or mm-hmm. if she kills herself. I am for the latter. Because yeah, you, I think... You think that she kills herself. Yeah, I'll explain that in, in a few, but... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so she's elated that she is, quote-unquote, pregnant yeah. with their child, yeah, and, and Zoe is kind of like, I'm checking out now. Yeah, like, Zoe, like you're crazy. Zoe, Zoe's like, um, you do realize at some point it'll pass. She's like, no, I won't let it. I'm not going to get rid of our child. <laughs> right, right. 
Yeah, Zoe, I think, again, there's like, there's the fantasy and then there's the reality. And Zoe has this very dark idea of where relationships can go because Zoe's playing at a game, a game for power. She doesn't realize that Agnes is, is willing to see this through. And Zoe's like, the stuff I do is sadistic to make you suffer and you should not be around me. Like you should not. This yep, is not her healthy. Last email, she You're was not healthy. Yeah. You really need to seek help. Uh, be- and and I have to cut this off because, um, you know, clearly I'm I'm not well. And uh, and you're listening to me and like this is really fucked up. I didn't think you were going to do I it. I didn't think you were going to do it. This yeah. was a game to me. And and, it you know, you've taken it too far. And Agnes and, was just like, fuck you. Fuck your apologies. Right. Yeah. Because Zoe's like, this isn't fun for me anymore. You know, like like this is getting really I'm scaring myself here by. I'm worried about you and your mental health. And, right. Yeah. Which I don't actually think that Zoe is is actually worried about Agnes's mental health. I do think Zoe feels pangs of regret at yeah. some of the things she tells Agnes to do, but I don't think that's because Zoe's a good person. I don't think that's because Zoe actually has empathy. I think that Zoe's afraid of what happens to Zoe if uh, you know this goes too far. So then, finally, the parasite does come out, right? <laughs> and Agnes is. Oh, so heartbroken that her baby is gone. Yeah. And at the end of the book, it says she collects it in her arms and pretends that it's cooing at her. Mm-hmm. And then it says she collects her apple. That uh, antique apple the, corner. Yeah the, the, yeah, the apple thing. And she takes it into the, the bathroom closet and... Oh, that's it. Like, and that's, that's it. The end. And, and so I, back to what I was saying, yeah. I think she... Goes insane and probably kills herself with the apple slicer. She does make that. There's a, a recurring refrain like, "What have you done today to deserve your eyes?" And I wonder if she's thinking, "Well, I haven't done anything. I passed my baby." So I, I like. I feel like the insinuation there is that she goes in and she cores out her eyeballs with the. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh, it's pretty. It's she probably grotesque. does because she does. She says at the end, you know, I'm not sure I've done anything to deserve my eyes today, or something to that effect. And she was always worried that she was never going to feel deserving of her eyes with Zoe, that Zoe was just going to take them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's so fucked up, right? Like the, the horror here is just, just intense, just, just absolutely devastating. So I guess that I pose the question to you because I kind of want to hear your thoughts. Like, what is the point of this? <laughs> <laughs> the fuck if I when know. We, when we come out the other side, like, what has, what what do we get from this experience other than being like, the fuck did I just read? Because <laughs> that was me. I, I finished it and I went, the, the fuck. And yep. I, I was like, I was like genuinely, I think Eric LaRocca is a very sweet guy. And I don't think that he's actually demented. But I was also like, Eric, are you okay? Are you okay, dude? Like, <laughs> yeah, he was, he was so friendly at Stoker Gun. He was, um, he was just really kind of generous with his time and, and with his, um, his gratitude when people were coming around and, you know, talking to him. Um. Yeah. Maybe the message is check on your friends, people. <laughs> check on your friends. <laughs> there's so much. There's there's uh, there really is a, a 
such a thing as too much time on the internet. Yeah. Don't talk to strangers on the internet. Don't give them your bank account information. Don't willingly go into a contract with them. <laughs> there are a lot of hidden just, me- just a lot of messages here. Just a how-to guide of like how, how not to, to use not the internet. to do this. <laughs> I don't think that's wrong. Again, I, I you know, I read this as uh, once more trying to understand ourselves and trying to understand the many ways in which I think um we are sick. And I don't mean mm-hmm. this in the sense that everybody listening is out there, you know, planning on how to get their internet girlfriend to eat, a, you know, infected meat or something like that. Like, I think that, um, I, I think it, it explores these ideas of loneliness, mm-hmm. these ideas of um, kind of the, the horror of, of like, what will a person do to escape their own head. What will a person do to escape their lonely loneliness? What will a, a person do um, as well, you know, when they are given kind of unfettered, um, uh, you know, access to their, their like perverse desires? You know, what happens when um, we're left feeling as though we're unaccountable to... Uh, the, the the dark thoughts, you know, the, the dark fantasies that um, that we may have from time to time. Um, what happens when we become so devoid of our own sense of empathy toward one, one another that, uh, you know, we, we kind of take actions that are increasingly catastrophic? Yeah. Um, I don't know. If, if this book made me think a lot more than I expected it to. And, and it, of course, it, it, it fucked me up. But I, I also think about uh, just the spaces that we inhabit as human beings in this modern world. You know, as we become increasingly, increasingly divorced from um, the, the, the product of our lives, right? As we become increasingly isolated by the technology around us, um, what dangers lie on the other side of that? I think a lot of figures like um, Andrew Tate or figures like uh, what's that other guy, the, the the old dude that's always telling kids clean your room, but also uh, this like weird alpha male ideology. I don't know. Jordan Peterson. Is that his name? I think it's Jordan Peterson. Um, I have no idea. I'm pretty sure that's the guy there. But there are these, uh, you know, I think there are these there are these young men out there who are already struggling with some mental health stuff, some mental health issues, already looking out at the world and the way that the world has alienated them in the Marxist sense from, you know, the product of their lives. Um, and to deal with that increasing sense of alienation, they're looking for answers. They're looking for solidarity. They're looking for community in the Internet with a whole bunch of other lonely, sad, depressed people who are made lonely and sad and depressed by the media around them, constantly telling them what they should be and having them compare themselves to the idealized version of themselves in comparison to, to who they actually are. And that difference, that def- difference is super important to consumer capitalism because it's like the message is you could cure your deficiencies with stuff. You can c- cure your deficiencies 
um, just by, you know, uh, buying this product or, or uh, you know, doing this activity or something like that. And that's, that's super profitable for companies. It's super profitable if you're on Instagram all the time comparing yourself to someone else's lives. Because the more you're sitting there scrolling through Instagram, looking at all of these idealized versions of someone else's life that is not real, you know, very much uh, made up and fake, the more you're generating ad revenue for Instagram. Mm -hmm. Of course, they want you to fall into this trap of of, uh, mental health decay because you spend more time on this stuff. And the more time you spend on it, the more Revlon's going to make money from you Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know. Uh, so these these pundits, you know, these Jordan Petersons, these Andrew Tates crop up in these same circles of these guys in my, you know, I'm a guy. So I see, you know, young men uh, rush off to these people who are talking to them, the Joe Rogans of the world, you mm-hmm. know, who's about these very, very toxic ideologies. And in their isolation, they don't see the whole picture and they start to listen to the people that make them feel good. They start to adopt these ideologies that are increasingly dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. Women are the problem. Women are the reason why I'm the way I am. Feminism has made the world the way it is. If we got rid of feminism, if we got rid of female empowerment, if we started treating women like objects, like they should be, biblically or whatever, then I could recover my power. I could recover my happiness. I could recover my agency. I could get the things I want. I could be the person I want to be. I could live the idealized version of my life that uh, I'm taught that I want. It's hugely toxic. Mm -hmm. It's hugely problematic. And I think that this book is playing into a lot of the same ideas, you know, the same concepts here. We isolate ourselves. We'll do almost anything in order to find some way through that isolation. And in the case of Agnes, she cannot help herself but to commit to this idea of what someone else wants her to do. Because if that brings her closer to her happiness, if that brings her out of the hole that she's found herself in, maybe she can recover, you know, some happiness. Maybe she can recover some agency over her life. And Zoe's at the other end, just, I think, in the same space, mentally isolated, needing some kind of meaning. But she finds meaning in exploiting the other person. Yeah. To 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 the, the point of death, right? Mm-hmm. We do terrible things to each other in search of something more wholesome. And I think feel like that is what this book is trying to allegorize, right? We do terrible things to each other because we so desperately want something we cannot have. We so desperately don't know how to fill the space in our lives. Does that make any kind of sense? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Hit us with some parting shots, Kate. Recommend this book? Don't uh, like, uh, how would you rate this? Five star, four star. I think I gave it four stars. Yeah, I think so. Uh, for me, I I gave this this particular novella. Uh, this is five stars for me. It made me think about stuff. It really fucked me up a little bit. You know, it's like all of the things that are. I I also love um, stories that are told in like text messages and stuff like that. Like that works for me. I do like that format. Yeah. That really works for me. I love when when a book will do that. 
Um, yeah, I give this a, a total five stars. I I read it in um, conjunction with the other stuff that he's written in the the Titan books. Uh, I have both versions. I have the mm-hmm. um, the original uh, novella that Weird Punk Books put out, and then I have the the collection. And I read it as part of the collection. I think I gave the collection of four stars, um, mostly because. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about some of the other stories that he explores. They have very f- similar themes, like he's playing with similar ideas. Um, but, uh, you know, they all just kind of hit differently. But this was, uh, for me, it was five stars. Four stars, that's still really, that's good. That's really recommendable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like uh, that's all I really have to say about this book this time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for those of you who decided to sit in on the conversation. We'd love to know your thoughts. Um, as you listen to these episodes, if you've read these books too, and you think that there's something that we didn't talk about that you really think we should talk about, send us an email. You can email us at editor at We would love to read your email on the show and incorporate that in a little bit of discussion. So, Um, If you don't have anything else to share, Caitlin, I think we will see you all next week. Yep. See you next time.